Welcome to Grow Up. Insights on how businesses can use technology to grow better. Please welcome your hosts, Jason Parkinson and Mark Hammer. It's the Grow Up Podcast. My name is Jason Parkinson. And I am Mark Hammer. And today we're going to be talking about how your business needs to adapt to the changing world of voice-based virtual assistants like Siri and Alexa and Google. And I need to be careful saying Alexa so that my echo doesn't uh, activate here in the, in the, <laughs> a good in idea. the room. Uh, but our guest today is a nationally renowned speaker, author, and consultant. And from disruptive startups to Fortune 100 executive teams, she has worked across multiple industries and business challenges, managing more than a billion dollars in digital assets. Let's give a warm welcome to Kim Brown from Centrally Human. Welcome, Kim. Woo. Hello. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. Kim, can you uh, tell us a little bit about your background and kind of what it is that Centrally Human does? Yeah, absolutely. So Centrally Human is all about creating real human connections using digital te- digital technology and data to facilitate that. So you think back to uh, really the last, um, you know, 15 years of the industry, we had smartphones that came onto the market and, and we were doing the best we could with the tools that we had. So it was a lot of digital for the sake of digital, building apps, building websites. We didn't know what it was going to do. Uh, we were all learning together. And so we did a lot of digital um, for the sake of just trying it. What we found is all this technology that was supposed to make us feel so close together actually made people feel really far far apart. And so everyone is starved for this real human connection, this value um, of what we want in our lives. And so Centrally Human helps use digital and data and technology to facilitate those real human connections again. So we really talk about being human first, um, the why, and making connections that are profitable and valuable. And that might be through, you know, this digital world, but it really is about those human beings being connected again. And so a lot of the work we do is either, to your point, in workshops or talks or working with companies directly on how to translate the tools um, into really driving that connection. So Kim, would you say that virtual assistants can be of some, I guess, assistance in that space? Like, is that an improvement upon other tools in terms of feeling a little bit more human? Yeah, it's so interesting how we've seen technology and the way that we use it evolve and and everything kind of comes full circle. Um, I'll use the example of grocery stores before we get into the virtual assistants. You know, way back in the day, no one went to a grocery store. Um, Hmm. They were these little marts that someone might, and this is, you know, these urban centers when the, the, I think it's the late 1800s, early 1900s, don't quote me. But back in the day, grocery stores didn't exist. People didn't go and browse for their own groceries. You placed an order, someone packaged it up, and usually a kid delivered it to your house. Grocery stores were created, people made it this whole shopping experience, and now we're seeing delivery come back. And so with virtual assistants, it's really interesting that we went from, everyone having their devices and doing it themselves and wanting to own that experience from start to finish. Now as virtual assistants, we're kind of outsourcing that back out again and saying, you know what? I don't want to use my hands. <laughs> I'm just going to ask a question and have a conversation about it. So it's really interesting to see that that trend kind of come full circle. Um, I do think it's the evolution, again, of this idea that technology is facilitating the human connection and experience, putting the devices away, letting the devices work for us 
So you could potentially be cooking in your kitchen with your family while still getting that digital assistant helping you through without needing a phone in your face. It's so funny that you mentioned grocery stores. My grandmother still sees the grocery store as like this social opportunity where she gets to run into her friends and they get to comment on, you know, how nice her hair looks and like all of this, this stuff. My grandmother's 92 and I'm sure that she can remember back to, you know, a time where, you know, you may place an order and it gets packaged up and then you know, you you end up with grocery stores and then even, you know, self-checkout and now all the way down to, you know, my wife orders our groceries from Walmart on her phone and I I just go grab them like from a from a pickup lane. Like it's it's interesting, you know, thinking about that human connection and how that's evolved there. And you're right. Like the the voice piece is is, you know, very similar to that. Yeah. And, and, and we evolve through it. But that that he and we, we go back to the word human. There's some core human needs that we're always trying to meet, and it's just with different tools in the toolbox help us do that. Yeah. So when when you start looking at this from a business perspective, um, Kim, so what do you think businesses need to do to be able to kind of adapt to this idea of using voice commands and and people searching with their voice? What do they need to do that's different? Um, you know to today to to adapt to that than maybe what they were doing, you know, three or four years ago. Yes. So here's the most interesting part about this. We talk about voice search. I was in my kitchen the other day and, and we use uh, the, the Google Home product. And I think the, the command I gave was, you know, hey, Google, play wine bar jazz music and actually mine is doing it right now hang on a second all right <laughs> google stop it's, yeah right uh play wine bar jazz music um for dinner and it searched and found some playlist that was specific you know the title was specifically like wine bar jazz music for nighttime dinners and that's a great example of being so specific and making sure that what you're doing and what you're offering actually has that clear purpose stated versus something very branded, right? I didn't search for, mm. you know, you know cla- classic instrumental, you know, some bougie name. I literally searched for wine bar music. Three years ago, you would have probably had some brand- branded names, some beautiful title and image, this really cool experience. But when I can't see it and I can't compare it to other things, You've got to make sure that you're very literal with what exactly you have, because that's what the machine is going to be pulling off of, if that makes sense. So three or four years ago, we create these beautiful lofty brand experiences and really try to differentiate that way. With voice search, you've got to also make sure that you are being incredibly literal with how someone might explain you and what you're offering. So you show up as an option. Otherwise, you know, um, you know, cloud music might actually be this incredible instrumental, but the word cloud would never be, ser- I would never search for that mm, verbally. Right. Does that make sense? I couldn't think right. of a good example of, of a, a branded soundtrack, but yeah. it's really important that we become more literal. The other thing I'll note, and, and if we all kind of pull back to 20, you know, 2007, that was really when search became more commonplace. So the searches that we were all using in, in Google and Yahoo and Microsoft we were practicing with each other. Mm. So we were learning how to search for things on the internet and the internet was learning how to respond. And so everyone kind there was this really interesting two way street between the algorithms learning how humans searched in writing and how humans figured out how to search in writing. Um, 
And so we're going to see that in voice search as well. We're going to have to learn, and you can see this already, how to change our requests so the machine gets it. And vice versa, all those algorithms are absolutely learning, and they're going to adapt to the, to the voice search. So I think it's this really interesting tie for businesses where you've got to make sure that the copy that you have and the metadata behind your products is incredibly literal and clear, and that if someone was looking for it verbally, it could actually be tied back. So it's not overly branded because you don't get all the assistance with pictures and comparisons and, and these long explanations. And on the other hand, really playing into that um, that teaching moment, that we're going to be able to teach people how to look for us because it is a brand new product and people are realizing that they're going to be learning with the machine. And if we all take a second and, and go into a room and watch someone use one of these virtual assistants, you can see they'll do a request. They won't necessarily get back what they want, so they'll, the, the human will adapt. Mm -hmm. And so as we think about marketing, using that as an opportunity to teach our customers how to look for us by using keywords or phrases when they're searching. It's going to be really critical as well. What I think is kind of funny, you know, you, you mentioned this and an example of this. So I found, I find myself when I'm dictating to Siri, okay, I'm an iPhone user, iOS. And when I'm dictating to Siri for a text message or anything like that, I speak the punctuation. So I'm like, what are we having for dinner tonight? Question mark. Right. Or, 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 you know, period, exclamation point, emoji, smiley face, whatever. I say these things out loud and my four-year-old son is not used to hearing communication that way. And so when he's in the car seat in the back and I'm driving and I'm using Siri to send a message to my wife, you know, I'll say question mark and then he'll like, he'll question why I'm saying things that way because I sound so much like a robot or something, you know, something funny in my, you know, my adaption. But I found that, you know, Part of the part of the problem is if I don't say the punctuation, Siri doesn't understand the punctuation and it becomes this one long run on thing. So I have adapted, you know, my language to fit, you know, that that situation. Yes. And what's really I love that story. And what's interesting is, you know, the the natural language processing is going to get advanced enough, hopefully soon, because I agree with you. And that drives me crazy that we have to do that where it'll understand voice inflection. Um, and, and what, you know, what a period sounds like, what a comma break sounds like, or what a, a question mark should be, and potentially even improve our own grammar um, because, you know, people necessarily don't put commas in the right spot. So our children, who are maybe one, two, three years old, um, will probably grow up in a world where they don't have to do that question, literally say question mark, but we might probably still say it. And you think about, yeah. you know, someone in their 80s learning how to search and they might still be using you know, AOL.com or Ask Jeeves. And you're like, well, why, why are you using that? You're like, well, just type, type what you want into the browser and it'll show up. Why are you going to this random search engine and typing in something crazy? Um, so I think it's going to be interesting too that how we as a, as a, kind of, I hate to say middle-aged, but kind of that mid-range mid age adult population are learning. Just, just call us what we are, Kim. It's okay. Yeah, right? <laughs> learning <laughs> yeah. this new technology. Our kids are going to think it's bizarre that we would ever have to say question mark. You know, they're going to be like, why, why do you keep saying that? We're probably going to have double question marks for a good five years. So the technology is <laughs> going to catch up and we would have been trained, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Very good point. So if if I'm a small business owner and I'm listening to this podcast right now and I'm wondering, OK, I 
I'm on board. I know that I need to change the way that I'm doing things to prepare for this really fundamental shift in how people are going to search for products and services. What are a few small things that I can do today to start prepping my business for this change? Yeah, great question. Well, I think it still comes down to some of those core fundamentals in your website architecture. So hmm. if you are hmm. looking at and you've got to remember that all these you know, all these machines, all these digital virtual assistants are still based in, you know, Google as a product or Amazon as a product. And so if you look at your website code and you can easily pull your source code, do you have page titles, right? And does that page title actually say something that makes sense? Um, or is it an incredibly branded sentence that in and of itself doesn't say anything for you? Um, if you, like if you're a marketing company and you don't have marketing somewhere in the, you know, that title or that descript, that top level description, you probably need to put it there. Um, yeah. because if someone's looking for you, that, you know, the engines are really going to be scraping from the top down because they're still figuring out these new algorithms. So making sure that your website copy is incredibly literal. Um, cause if you think about a non-visual search results page, and you're reading it, um, will, will what you read make sense? And if it doesn't, if it doesn't have some of those keywords, you're probably not going to be, you know, considered an option. The yeah. other thing is we've got to start teaching um, our consumers how to search for us audibly. So, you know, 10 years ago, a lot of marketing campaigns, and still today you notice it, will tell people to search for X keyword you know, search for blank to find yeah. them. They were teaching people yeah. to use the right word to search. So I really think small businesses, regardless of their efforts, even if they're doing very traditional marketing with brochures or flyers, start putting in a good keyword um, to do a voice search for. So, you know, get a digital assistant. You can get a Google one, I think, if you've got a Spotify account. Go into a store and practice. If you know, go go to a store and just try one out for free, and search for your product and see if you show up and what the experience is. And then really just, I would say, bootstrap it together. Go in, use a digital mm-hmm. assistant, um, see what comes back. And if it's not right, you can probably, based on that experience, figure out why. Um, and then tell your consumers to search for the right word that's going to show up. Yeah, that's that's a fantastic Still point. It's a little bit of a black box, so there's not much you you can't like necessarily spend a ton of money like you can on um, you know Google or even you know Amazon's e-commerce and get an ad to show up. They're still very much doing this organically and through select partnerships, so there isn't a lot of control. Um, but you can get ready for it by by getting consumers used to looking for you that way and really being an early adopter, knowing this is happening in homes, um, and the more traffic that you see coming through. Um, you know, the better. I'm actually really curious on how, you know, it's not going to be web traffic. It's going to probably be, you know, calling a business because you can call a business through these devices. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how much volume businesses see coming through on the phone um, and asking people where they're calling from. So, you know, I'm I'm actually kind of thinking through this as you're asking it, but I think there's two parts. So one is making sure that you're, or three parts. One is making sure that your website is very um, specific in in the right places. So you absolutely can have branding and descriptions, but you have the key business words in there. And if someone's searching with their voice, are you going to use words that are commonly used? So that way, Mm -hmm. when the engines are pulling it, it makes sense. The second thing is teaching your customers the words to use that will trigger you on that device. So telling them the words to use so you make sure that you're going to 
um, come up as that option in the, in the virtual assistant. Figure out those keywords that you can own um, with the uh, verbal search. And then the third is figure out how you're going to track it. So if someone's searching for you in their kitchen or in their living room, are they searching for a description of how a product works? a YouTube video, or are you probably going to be using it as a white page um, or the yellow pages and calling the business instead of looking it up on Google Maps and clicking the phone number? And get comfortable being very, you know, asking, hey, by the way, are you calling me on a cell phone or have you tried to call us through one of your, you know, virtual assistants at home? Mm -hmm. Really casual question, but until the tracking gets better, I think it's important to start asking what devices people are calling us through. Yeah. Yeah, those are all really fantastic points. And and I have to imagine for a lot of business owners, uh, it's kind of counterintuitive, especially being so literal and being so, uh, you know, what some may view as simplistic with their website copy. I think a lot of companies strive to differentiate themselves by using a lot of jargon yeah, or using words yeah, and bigger words, words and, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and a lot of creative writing creeps in. Right. And while that can be good from a I'm setting myself apart perspective, it really has negative ramifications when people are using this kind of technology to try to find you. Potentially, yeah. 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 I mean, if you think about, um, you know, someone in the kitchen, you know, there's this new make it yourself food movement, right? Everyone's mm-hmm. whole foods mm-hmm. and you can do a lot of this yourself. So someone's in the kitchen and they want to, you know, make your own fruit punch. Well, that's a very practical application. If I'm dull, there's two things I can do. I can have, you know, very clearly, you know, give them that value because if someone's searching for it, they're not going to search for, you know, dole juice, mm, <laughs> you know, right. like fruit punch juice. They're going to want to make their own. So you either have someone else doing that or you can own that and show them the best way that you make make yours and to try it yourself at home and then pick one up in the store and uh, and do a comparison. Have that YouTube video, but give them that value. That's really what we talk about uh, when we say being centrally human Give people what they want and ask for. Treat people with respect and really add value in their lives. And they're smart enough to know that it's coming from you and potentially reciprocate um, that value exchange. So, again, if you're doing fruit juice and someone's searching to make their own, if I'm a juice company, I want to be the best video on how to make your own at home because I know that people probably aren't going to do that more than once or twice. And I can make a really fun game or a contest to say, now go in store, buy ours, and do a taste test. Mm. What a great way to give people the video they want, still have the business in front of them, drive them to the store, celebrate them doing it themselves, but also get your product in the home. Absolutely. That's a great idea. So I I need to mention your book. You have a book coming out, Centrally Human, Harness the Soul of Your Brand for the Future of Your Company. Can you tell us about that? And I, I don't know where you're at in the release process, but it's coming out pretty soon, right? Yes, it is. It'll be coming out this spring, um, hopefully by April 1st, if not sooner. Um, we're doing final drafts. So it, it's actually really fun. And we talk about that value exchange and being transparent. So this book will help walk through exactly the process that I use in my workshops with my clients and what I do every day. So it walks through, you know, the history of this human centric trend, why it matters and what you need to do to succeed today. So it's got incredible interviews with industry leaders and their experiences. It's also got the work itself, so you can workshop and workbook your business through this new process where we're really thinking about how you're adding value in the marketplace today and what is your brand's human element and how do you connect that to your customers. 
Um, so you can find it on Amazon when it's released. If you're interested, you can go to centrallyhuman.com slash book. Very easy. Um, and pre-register or purchase it from the website. That's awesome. And we'll make sure to link to it in the show notes, too. And, of course, maybe you can ask Alexa, order me Centrally Human. Harness the soul of your brand for the future of your company. Yeah, I will be making sure to test that, test those voice searches to make sure it shows up a few different ways. Or you could search Centrally Human book. Yeah, that's, that's why awesome. that web page is so easy. Yep. That's great. Well, Kim, thank you so much for your time today. I think this is a really interesting topic and I'm very interested to see how things evolve, you know, over the next few years. And, and it's so funny that, that we think about, you know, e- even back to my son, you know, going to be making fun of me for years to come, just like I make fun of people who still have a Yahoo email address. Um, you know, the, the idea of saying the word question mark, that just, that, it blows my mind that, that, you know, we, we're learning things now that will carry with us, you know, throughout our entire life as, you know, as different That's uh, true. technologies come, come back, you know, and play behind us too. Yeah, no, it's, it's a fabulous, it's a fabulous topic. I've got to say, I'm, I'm all about this. I am so tired of using my hands and having to type things in myself. <laughs> Why can't I just say this and someone hear me and and give it to me? So I love the transition. Yes, we need to have real conversations about data privacy and security. Um, But I do think as as we think about technology working for people, getting our heads out of our devices is is only going to benefit our relationships and the way that we that we kind of operate in the world. And so I think we're really on the right track. Um, and businesses can really benefit from this by really you know, sticking core to to their roots and, and being you know literal with what they offer. Yeah, I yeah, think that's great point. That's great. Uh, great advice, Kim. Well, thanks so much for your time today. And uh, thank you. Thank you for listening to uh, the Grow Up podcast. And we will make sure to talk to you next week right here on Grow Up. Thanks for listening to Grow Up. For more information about the topics discussed in today's show, visit onefire.com slash grow up. This has been a One Fire production.